welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. This is podcast number 146. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and thank you all for tuning in today. And in today's uh, episode, we are going to talk about the art of improvisation and how improvisation can help with communication and with interviews with your patients and your colleagues and how it can really improve your uh, job as a physical therapist, healthcare provider, or fitness professional. And so a little background on this. So I started taking improv and acting lessons with a, with a coach a few months ago. The reason I did that is because I knew I was speaking at the American Physical Therapy Association Combined Sections Meeting, which was just last month, and I had a irrational fear of speaking in front of people. So I thought, you know, it would probably be a good idea to take some acting classes and and uh, some improv lessons so that I wasn't quite so fearful of speaking in public. And I kind of asked around and uh, I was recommended to someone who I've been working with for a couple of months now. And I found it definitely helped with my public speaking. I was a little nervous, but once I started speaking and used some of the techniques that we practice in our lessons, it actually became a lot easier as the public speaking, as the talk at CSM went on. And then a couple of weeks ago, I was at the San Diego Pain Summit and even on social media, um, talking to a lot of different PTs, and we've been uh, discussing comedy, stand-up comedy lessons and acting lessons and improv lessons. And out of that, people thought, you know, you should really do a show on it. So here we are doing a show on it with the person that was recommended to me as my improv and acting coach. So I'm very happy to have on the show today, Harris Duran. He is an award-winning actor, writer, director, producer, and acting coach. He studied acting at Juilliard and improv at Upright Citizens Brigade. Uh, as an actor, Harris has been seen across all mediums from the Broadway stage to films at Sundance. His award-winning writer-director debut short film, The Story of Milo and Annie, which features Orange is the New Black's Alicia Reiner and Academy Award nominee Kathy Moriarty, is now available for free on YouTube, and he is gearing up to shoot his first feature in April. So if you want to find more information about Harris, you can visit his website at www.harrisduran.com, and that's D-O-R-A-N. Um, but if you're listening to this, I'm sure you saw his name in the title. Um, so anyway, Harris, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on the podcast today. Of course. Thanks for having me. So, you know, like I said, I've been working with Harris for a couple of months now, and you know, it hasn't been for me. I it's been it's been a little bit harder than I had thought. I still don't have enough guts to go to. You know, Harris is like, you should take a class at UCB, which is Upright Citizens Brigade. And I was like, I'm not taking a class there. Are you kidding me? Like that is way too scary. But I'm starting to come around to the idea of maybe taking a class. Of course, I have to have it on some sort of alert of when the classes go up because the moment they go up, they're sold out. Um, yep. Which is you would you would know, and and that's exactly what you said. So, um, you know, talking about improv and and acting and um, and stand up, I think there's a lot of overlay between the three. But let's start, Harris. What is uh, the art of improvisation? So, improv is uh, basically 
um, an unscripted scene. It's something where the, the characters, the situation, the dialogue are created in the moment, as opposed to when you watch, say, SNL and there's sketch, that's pre-written. And there might be some improv within it of where you have the script written out. And then you might, you know, Amy Poehler was famous for actually improving within the skits. But most of them sort of just do what is scripted. Um, and stand-up also is scripted with the use of some improv when, you know, someone heckles from the audience or, you know. But for the most part, it is um, pre-thought out text that you're basically acting um, in stand-up because you're, you're acting like you're making it up in the moment, but you're not. It's the same thing that you do at every single club because this is your material that you've developed. But improv is something that um, every single person does all day long and we're doing right now on this podcast is you're just talking. You're just making up the text as you go. And so it's, you know, quite like life, you know? And, and talking about improv, you know, so I, when I remember saying to my parents, I'm taking some acting lessons and some improv lessons. And a lot of people, the first thing they're like, oh, do you want to become an actress? Or do you want to not be a PT anymore? So, uh, and I'm sure that you see this a lot, even at, when, if you were to go to take an improv class, is everyone in that improv class want to be an actor? No, um, when I, especially the, the, like, the first year, so at, at most of these improv schools are different levels that you work up to, but that first level is usually made up of people, lawyers, people, like anyone that feels the need to, they're either scared to speak in public or they feel somehow like their communication can be improved or they're confronting some sort of fear or they just think it's fun. But for the most part, it's, it's actually probably a lot of like finance people, lawyers, um, teachers, and then, yeah, and then you also have actors, you know, especially in New York or L.A. Sure, um, sure. But there are people who just do improv and that's what they love and they're not trying to be actors. You can move up in the improv world and there are improv shows and that could just be exactly what you want to do, you know? I mean, people and like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, they came up in the improv world in Chicago, which is, uh, I think, considered a little bit the home of it because that's okay. where... Um, Second City is oh, the, name of the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is in Chicago, and so um, a lot of the big people uh, came up through that. And in New York, Upright Citizens Brigade is the big one. And in LA, it's the Groundlings. But they all kind of um, were born out of the same egg, which is uh, Del Close. Uh, this guy Del Close from Second City. Oh, what yeah. Be- what became Second City, yeah. Yes, I've heard that name before because I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was listening to a Mark Marin podcast, the WTF mm-hmm. podcast, and yeah, he was uh-huh. interview- he, he's, he, who's, he's excellent. Yeah. Um, but he was interviewing Andrea Martin, and Andrea uh-huh. Martin yeah. started in Second City. And That's funny. She's really funny. And for those yeah. of you who don't know who Andrea Martin is, if you've seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding... She was the aunt. So when he was like, oh, or she said, Nia Vardalis's character said something about, you know, her fiance. Oh, he's a vegetarian. She was like, oh, so you'll have the lamb. You know, it's just it's like she's, she's really funny. But I heard that name. Um, she mentioned his name as uh, associated with Second City because she was there with yeah. like Martin Short and Bill Murray and John Candy mm-hmm. and, yeah. and uh, uh, Eugene Levy and... Um, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Who always is in all of those uh, Christopher Guest films uh, um, with Eugene Levy and um, 
Anyway, I can't think of Catherine. Catherine O'Hara. That's it. uh Yeah. Yeah. And so I think when people like, so when you think of these big improv companies like the Groundlings and Second City UCB, um, you think of people who just want to be actors or comedians. And, and I think it's important to note that, that that isn't true and that, you know, anybody can, can go and take an improv class and, and you don't have to be in New York, LA or Chicago either. You know, there, there are places you just have to kind of look around for it. Yeah. I mean, for me taking improv class, even as an actor, I, I almost wasn't taking it for the purposes of being a better actor or being an improv artist. It was more like the tools that I learned in doing, you know, what is basically comedy improv. And there can be dramatic improv. And in acting classes, you often are doing dramatic improvs where you're not sort of, the focus is not comedy. But, um, you know, the tools that I learned uh, at UCB ended up influencing, um, you know, me as a dramatic actor and also just auditions in general, which, you know, for people who aren't actors, is just, you know, interviews or just meeting people of the skills that you pick up. You know, for me, I was not like trying to be on SNL. I was not trying to go down that road, but the Uh tools that I learned were invaluable to so many other areas of my life, you know? Right. And that segues perfectly into my (laughs) next question, which was how can improv improve communication? Because I think it's, what's really important is what you just said, you know, when you're meeting new people. So as therapists or healthcare workers or fitness professionals, you're meeting a new patient or a new client sometimes every single day. And so how can improv or improv training improve your communication skills? Well, I think it's, um, you know, I'm sure it's the same thing with doctors, you know, bedside manner. Like, and I think that what that actually is, like that kindness, I think is actually just um, really good communication, which means completely duplicating what it is the person is saying and then responding directly to that. Because often in life, we, we think we know what someone's saying or, um, and miscommunications happen because we're not actually uh, hearing what the other person's saying and responding directly to it. And so your patient you know, may feel uncomfortable because they don't feel like they've been heard and they may not be able to you know, make that a fully formed thought. They just know like, oh, I'm not totally comfortable. But I think it's when someone expresses, this is what's happening with me, that the person really understands what it is and doesn't move past it until they really understand uh, what is happening in the way that the person is trying to express it. You know? Yeah. And it, it not is just that... like, oh, my back hurts. And you're like, yeah, yeah. You know, right. Not oh, that anyone would do hurts. that, but, check, but, check. Like, well, but what does that mean to the person? Why? Oh, really? Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> what does it mean to the actual patient? You know, mm-hmm. my back hurts. Like, what is that experience for them? You know, of like, you know, if you're like, well, it's, I'm not really seeing something, but the person's really saying they're in agonizing pain and to really understand and be able to like sympathize, sympathize with that just so that the person feels heard. Mm-hmm. Often that's all, often like that's all people need is to feel heard, you know, and that really means that the person really has heard what you've said fully, you know, which, you know, may seem small, but it isn't. No, I think it's, it's huge. That's the yeah. biggest thing that as, as I'm interviewing a new patient, the biggest thing I can do for that patient is to be present mm-hmm. and to listen and yeah. to to get a, to communicate to them that that I've heard what they've said, and yeah. so 
I think a lot of what this improv training has done for me as far as uh, communicating with my patients is, is it's really helped me to be, to be very present mm-hmm. and be very in the moment. And I'm assuming that's a huge part of, of improv training yeah, that's and a huge improv part of, itself. It's a huge part of um, improv. It's a huge part of acting. It's a huge part of Buddhism. It's a huge part of, you know, life. so many things are <laughs> life. Yeah. It's about being in the moment. And, you know, if you're really in the moment of life, then you are really listening. It's when, like being in the moment, like not in the moment to me means you're, you're off thinking about something else. Even if you're thinking about what the other person's talking about, you know, when someone jumps in and finishes someone else's sentence, they're, they're not in the moment. They're like ahead and they're guessing as to what the person's saying because they're like, I'm smart. I know what you're going to say, but you know, the person wants to say what they have to say. You know what I mean? So yeah. that they know that, that it's really being heard in the way that they want to say it. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, these are sometimes things that maybe aren't taught in formal education, you know, and perhaps yeah. need to be, yeah. especially in the medical field when you're, you know, as a physical therapist, let's say the majority of the people that are coming to you are coming to you because they've had some sort of painful condition, uh-huh. right? They're presently having pain. They had maybe just had surgery, but, you know, they're, they're certainly in pain or in distress, when they yeah. come to see you. And so part of alleviating some of that is being able to listen and being able to empathize and being able to get across to the patient that you're there and that you're part of their team. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, pain is so much about emotion and, mm-hmm. and psychological, you know, and so that's the person really wants to be acknowledged for what's going on with them. Exactly. You know, and to feel like this will really be handled. Right, you know? right. And not Absolutely. that you're, you're yes or that you're, you know, overreacting or, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's... You can even, sorry, you can, I mean, you can even think that a patient is overreacting, but still make them feel heard. And that might help them to mm-hmm. not overreact. Plus, you want to be able to gain that patient's trust. You know, your mm-hmm. patient... For you to have, a, I, this is my opinion, but um, I think for you to have a successful interaction with your patient and to give your patient the best chance of recuperation, they have to trust you. They have to be able to feel like they can tell you exactly what's going on with them mm-hmm. and yeah. every time you see them. And if you're just sort of, uh-huh, 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 you know, ticking the box off or the worst is you go in and like, you know, when you go to see a doctor or something like that and you go in and you're telling the doctor what's going on with you and they're not even looking at you (laughs) and they're just like Uh typing on the computer and you're like, Uh um, did, wait, did, did you just, did, did you get what I just said or exactly? So in your head, you're thinking, do I have to say this again? Like, are they not, are they not listening to me? Did they not get it? I mean, they're typing, so maybe they're getting it, but maybe not. Yeah. It's very and, emotional to go to a doctor. Cause yeah. you're like, you're like, see you're this vulnerable. cold here? I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm dying. That's what's happening. And I need you to, to know this to stop it. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. And, and you're in you a know? really vulnerable position. You're opening yourself up to another human being and exactly. putting your, the care of your body in their hands. Yeah, and exactly. so I think it's really um, imperative that we have the tools to actively listen to 
the person in front of us, regardless of whether they're your patient or like you would have me go to Dwayne Reed and like do uh, a bit with the lady at the checkout counter at Dwayne Reed. Or when I got yeah. my Christmas tree, I did a bit with the lady at the Christmas tree's place. Like I yeah. listened to her and I tried to and Iyer and, and all this other stuff. And mm-hmm. she didn't think I was funny. She didn't, yeah. but I thought I was funny. I don't know. She didn't get yeah. it. But, Just for know. the audience, I, I made her practice improv <laughs> in life. And I'd say, go down to Dwayne Reed, which yeah. is a, a, a local like Rite oh, Aid here right. in New York. And, um, and I would say, I, I want you to just talk to the woman at the counter, even if she doesn't respond. And I want you to just try and just be like, hey, how's it going? And have a conversation, just practice improv and just practice just talking, uh-huh. you know, um, <laughs> where it's like for free and it doesn't matter because you're never going to see her again or you right. will, but it or doesn't you matter. Will. You know, or, yeah, and then, then you'll you be like, oh, there's that weird lady who keeps talking to me when she's checking out, getting like a York peppermint patty, <laughs> exactly. you know? Yeah, um, but it's like a great place to, to practice because, yeah. you know, because you don't have a like real relationship with these people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And so, and who knows, you might end up with a real relationship if you actually try talking to these people. That's know? true, that's true. So uh, let's go into, you know, you mentioned before that, you know, you've had a lot of tools um, in, mm-hmm. in improv to kind of help you with, with acting and, and probably with life. So can you uh, tell the audience a little bit more about what those tools are and, and how maybe people can practice on their own? And, and so what, what are the tools? Sure. Well, there's, there are many, 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 many uh, improv exercises and tools. And I do suggest you, you know, if the people are interested out there, either picking up a book or, you know, even better is go to an improv class. Usually, uh-huh. you know, if you have any city near you, um, there's usually some sort of improv team where you can go and practice and they will do exercises. And, you know, you and I have done a few, but there are so many uh-huh. exercises that, that you could do. Um, and so it's hard to sort of list them all. But I would say the, the very basic the more, improv. Yeah, the more popular is, ones. Yeah, is is uh, this concept of a yes and, which is um, agreeing to whatever someone says, no matter what, and you never say, no, that's not true, um, and then adding to it. So often people are able to just say what the other person has said, you know, like, um, that orange is green, and you can say... Um, Yes, that, that orange is green. And that's the end of a conversation if you don't add anything. Uh, you know? uh-huh. And so, I mean, and that's, you know, in any conversation in life, if you don't add, you know, there's not an automatic like add function to, to conversations. It's, you know, a human being does that, you know, so you acknowledge what the person has said uh-huh. and then you add to the conversation and that's what makes a conversation. Sure. Otherwise it dies. You know, if all you do is um, agree, that's the end of a conversation. You know, or if you disagree, then that's, you know, going down a different road. And in improv, you say yes and. So you, so you never deny what the person has thrown out. Because, you know, in improv, you can do anything. So you could be saying, like, you know, um, aliens are on 34th Street. And so you agree to that. You don't say, no, there aren't. The one, as soon as you say, no, there aren't aliens on 34th Street, then you have no scene. The conversation well, just ends. Well, because you're not yeah. you're not arguing about something. You are arguing about reality mm-hmm. of like what is the what is the reality of the world that you're setting up, 
you know, and so basically that ends because there's no agreement on where are you, like, what is going on? What is mm-hmm. happening? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes. And doesn't mean that you, that you have to just, you know, agree with everything and never get into any conflict, you know, in an improv scene, but it means that you say yes to the circumstances that are put out, you know? So if, if you're doing an improv scene and I tell you, um, you're an old man, I say, get down from there, old man, then you're going to start acting like you have a cane and then you have an old voice, Mm. you know, or something Mm -hmm. like that. Instead of saying, no, I'm not old. I'm 22. (laughs) End scene. (laughs) End scene. It it kills it. So the the idea of like an improv scene, which is different, you know, than, you know, actually like being with a patient because you're not going to say to the patient you're a green alien. Right. But but the patient may you know, say something to you, can say something to you and you can uh, sort of add to that versus just completely stop the, the conversation from happening. And then it looks like... Okay, you're there. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, and it looks like we lost you, but we're back. So I just, I just improved over that whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I just kind of kept it going until you came back, and I was like, (laughs) like, nope, here we go. Um, Okay, Um, so, so yes, I think you were yes, and um, uh, you may have made this point while I was away frozen, Uh but you know, the patient might say, you know, I think I have like. Um, some big, um, something wrong with my intestine or something. Mm-hmm. And that then may not be true, but that you need to acknowledge it. You know, um, yes, we'll look into that. Not, mm-hmm. no, you don't. Right, you right. Know? So the and- person doesn't feel denied. So it actually is like, it is the sort of alien thing of where like you want to acknowledge what the person's saying before, you know, so you could say like, yes, I understand that you feel that way. and I'm going to look into it, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think yeah. perhaps it could be this other thing, you know, but I'm not denying the fact that you have sure. an instinct, you know, because that's not going to be useful to them. It just makes them feel dumb. Sure. Or, you know, or if you know for a fact, like that is not the case, you have scientific proof that it is not, then that's useful, mm-hmm. but you want to still acknowledge the fact that they felt that way. Yeah. And, and one just, of the questions that I ask patients um, as we go through the interview with them, I'll say, and what do you think is happening? So let's say they have shoulder yeah. pain. I'll say, well, what do you think is happening with their shoulder and with your shoulder? Yeah, and they'll yeah. say, Da-da. and I'll say, I don't know if I do yes. And, but maybe I should. And I can say, yes. And, you know, I understand where you're, you might be coming from with that, but let me show you some other possibilities and let me, let me explain to you maybe a, a more plausible possibility or yeah. let me explain pain to you or let me, you know, versus cause they it's for me, I always ask that question cause it's a good way for me to judge where their head is at and what they're thinking. Yeah. I, I think that is a form of yes. And because mm-hmm. it's not, you don't literally have to say the words yes. And, and. Mm-hmm. I think the idea is just acknowledging what they've said and adding something to mm-hmm. the conversation. Right. You know, um, because, you know, yes, but, which you just used, uh, is the example of what most people do in improv that you shouldn't do. But in theory, 
your yes but was not actually yes but because yes but means I'm acknowledging what you're saying but I'm completely disagreeing with mm-hmm. it. You're actually saying I see what you're saying, um, and you know maybe there are these other options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? absolutely. The idea is to not you know negate what the person has said or negate their their feelings or you know. Yeah, and I think um, a big part of it too is because you, you want to kind of see where the patient is coming from so you can meet them. Yeah somewhere you know you have to meet them somewhere you can't a patient can't come in and even if they say oh this pain in my shoulder oh i think that there's you know an animal boring through my arm and eating my shoulder you can't yeah. be like oh that's the craziest thing i've ever heard right because exactly. if they deep down yeah. even though yes that's really unlikely but yeah. if the person has a deep-seated belief that this is what's going on with my shoulder well, you need to understand that and try and yeah. meet them where they're at and gently push them into a more plausible yeah. scenario. And the, the only way scenario. you're right, and the only way that you'll lead them to a more plausible scenario is if they feel heard in the first place. Right. Exactly. And they don't exactly. feel like they're crazy or stupid. Right, right. Right. Yeah. It's true. It's very true. And and you know, we can go on about body language and the expressions on your face and things like that, but we're not yeah. going to go there today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So there's yes. And what else, what other sort of tools are there in the, I mean, should we do world? a little yes. And, um, okay. just to show like what it could be. Uh, okay. And this will be, you know, this is not like specifically like, you know, PT, this is just, right. you know, showing what the exercise is. You know, okay. Of like, um, so, um, uh, a green Martian has landed. Okay. See, this is it. So now I... Do you <laughs> just, just so say... people know... You say... So you... Yeah, go Just ahead. so people know, when we do this, I'm always like, um, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the idea is I that you just... Is, you just ask... You're adding to the conversation. Yes. So, so you're, say, yes, and I think he landed in the Hudson River. Yes, and I think there's a rescue party going to search for him. Yes, and I think I'm going to go and join the rescue party because I want to see the alien. Yes, and I'm going to go with you and I'm going to bring some booze. Yes, and that sounds like the perfect companion to an alien search. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's like a really keep brief... going on and on and on. You can just so. keep going on and on and it gets really weird. Uh-huh. You know, but the idea is that you are being creative about your responses, you know, not on purpose, but that you can do whatever you want, but that you're just... You're, you're going along with anything that comes up, no matter how weird it is, you know? Right. And so you can and, see, for me, like, when you first said that, I was like, wait, what? That would never happen. So, like, the logical uh, part of your brain takes over, and you're like, aliens landing, what? But it's important to kind of get that out of your head and just yeah. go with it and just go along with the story and make the story continue. Because yeah. it's not well, about here, what the story's about. It's about the continuation of the story. Yeah, so here, let's do one that's less silly. So uh, you went to Dwayne Reed yesterday. Yes, and I bought two boxes of pretzels. Yes, and uh, you also got uh, some new hair products. Yes, and as a result, I dyed my hair red. Yes, and uh, that guy Steve hit on you at the bar. Yes, and I uh, told him to get lost. Yeah. See, it's just like that. And it's, oh, yeah. it's completely silly. But, but by practicing these types of things, you open up your facility for language and for not mm-hmm. being stuck in the things mm-hmm. that you must say or being nervous about what it is you do say. You just let it flow and you really hear what the person said. You know, another exercise that 
that Karen and I do is um, uh, so while, which is very similar to yes and, mm -hmm. where you literally repeat back what the person has said, and then, then you say, so I will. And so here, we'll show you. Okay, yeah. Um, I use, just so, just so uh, the listeners know, I use this a lot now with patients, actually, especially new yeah. patients that I meet. I use this technique a lot because it really helps me to stay focused on what the patient is saying and uh, kind of repeat back to them so they know that I'm listening to what they're saying and did I get something wrong and they can correct it if possible. So go ahead, we'll do an example of so I'll, so I will. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to go to the museum today. So what you're saying is you're going to go to the museum today, so I will leave work early and try and meet you there. So what you're saying is you're going to leave work early so that you can meet me there. So I will be sure to grab our picnic lunch so that we can eat immediately. So what you're saying is you're going to be sure that you're grabbing your picnic lunch so we can eat immediately. So I won't have to pick up something and eat it on the subway. So what you're saying is you won't have to pick up something and eat it on the subway. So I will um, make sure to get the roast chicken that I know that you like. Right. And then this, so again, this goes on and on and on, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it, it, just so that people get an example of, it's nice to be, to repeat back. And so what I find so helpful is as you're speaking, I'm in the moment, I'm listening, I'm repeating back. And as I'm repeating back, my brain is already coming up with the continuation to it. So when you're with patients and the patient says to you, I sprained my ankle yesterday. So I would say, oh, so what you're saying is you sprained your ankle yesterday. So how is it feeling today? Let's try. Let's say, do one with like a real situation. You know, yeah. um, do you want me to start or do you want to start? I'll start. I'll okay, just, go I'll ahead. just tell you, um, uh, you know, I'm having a lot of pain in my lower back. Okay. So what you're saying is you're having a lot of pain in your lower back. Can you remember when this pain started? Um, I believe uh, last Thursday. Okay. So you're saying that your pain started last Thursday. Can you remember anything that you may have done that precipitated that pain? Um, I don't think so. Maybe, uh, you know, I was mowing the lawn and I, I was trying to, you know, I got up on a ladder and I was trying to fix the roof, you know, and um, maybe I might have twisted funny because when a shingle fell off. Okay, so what you're saying is you're mowing the lawn, climbing on the roof, twisting and moving around. So what, you know, how, when did you start to feel pain after you did all these activities? Was it immediate or did it happen, uh, you know, a couple of days later? It seemed like it was a couple of days later. You know, okay. I woke up and I just, you know, my back just was really hurting. Um, and it was hard to get out of bed that morning. Okay. So you're saying you're actually hurting. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning. Can you find any positions that relieve your pain and so on and so forth? I mean, this can yeah. again go on in perpetuity, but I think it's important to know, to note that as you're telling me what's going on, I'm sort of repeating it so that the patient's like, yeah, because, and sometimes the patient will be like, oh wait, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And you're repeating exactly what they just said. <laughs> and then they're thinking about it and they're like, oh, wait a second. No, I didn't do that. I did that four weeks ago, you know, because sometimes people get things all jumbled up. So yeah. it's important to kind of listen to the patient. And then as you repeat it, you're kind of getting a 
better picture of that patient in your head. And then the questions just kind of keep flowing on and on. Yeah. And, and, and this then, is a tool. So like, yeah, I mean, the, the, the way that we just did that, I mean, you literally repeated back every single thing. Whereas in a, you know, when you're really with a patient, you might repeat back a piece of it or mm-hmm. a summary of it, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, but again, that's an exercise. Yeah. But really useful. Yeah. To really, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're really trying to assess what happened to someone, it is really good to repeat it back to make sure that you have it right. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So yes, and, and so you're saying, so I will, what other improv um, things can we do? I mean, I think, I think those do? are, I think, you know, in terms of people who aren't taking improv class, I feel like those are really like the two that if you're going to get a friend together, mm-hmm. you know, that's something to practice. I mean, sometimes we do that story. We do stories where we do the, mm-hmm. the one word story. Really hard. Sentence story. Much easier. Um, okay, let's do the sentence <laughs> one. For so, so just so people know what, what Harris is saying. So we'll do these things where um, you kind of do a story. So sometimes we'll do a story and, and he'll start out with I. And then I have to say it's one word back and forth. And you're creating this narrative one word at a time. Let's do just one sentence. Yeah. Or or sometimes we'll do like, he'll say a sentence and I'll say a sentence. And again, this for me, I find much harder than the, so you said, so I will, because it's it's a little more rapid fire. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. A little bit. But it's really good to do things that are hard because then it challenges you. Yeah. You know? And totally. so then, even though you're not going to be doing this with a patient, mm-hmm. the more fluid you are with your language, the easier it is. So the more yeah. you challenge your language skills, the easier it's going to be when you don't, you're not forced to make up stories. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> so let's do the, um, let's do the one word one. Oh, one word. Oh, do you want to do the right. sentence one first? Uh, let's do the sentence one first. The one okay. word one is really hard. Okay. All right. So you start. Oh, man. Okay. Usually I'm always like, I don't want to start, but okay, I'll start. So um, this morning I woke up at 6.30 in the morning because my cat was knocking jewelry off my, ca- off my dresser. So I had to get up and move the cat out of the bedroom and start picking up the jewelry. Um, and it's only 6.30. The sun is just rising. And after I put him out of the bedroom and into the living room, he started banging on the door as if he was taking a running start and ramming into the door with his shoulder. And it was really weird because I could suddenly see the imprint of him on the other side of the door, you know, and I'm like, what is going on with my cat? And so then I said, oh, screw it. I know it's 630, but I'm just going to get up anyway. So I got up and opened the door, and it was all dented on the outside of the door. And I said, Furball, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and Furball's face had these, like, beady red eyes. And so then I thought to myself, hmm, I don't think this is my cat. <laughs> and then... Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I tried to avoid the cat because it was looking at me scary and showing its teeth. And its tail was wagging back and forth, rapid fire. And so I closed the door. I closed the door and called my uh, doorman and told them that they need to come upstairs and take my cat out. 
of my apartment. <laughs> anyway, that's yeah, you so get the idea. Yeah, completely so silly, powerful. but but challenges you. You have to think of something. Yeah, you have to come up with something to add to the story. Yeah, yeah, know? and it's hard. So, it's hard to yeah. to think, and and I think coming from for someone like me who I'm, I'm usually really thoughtful about my words and a little more pragmatic. I guess it's hard for me sometimes to think up these like really silly stories, but. I find that, yes, it definitely helps with your cultivation of language and your ability to, again, be present and be in the moment and listen to what the other person's saying so that the story makes sense. It's not like I would say, you know, I woke up this morning at 6.30 because my cat was knocking things off of my dresser, which is a true story. Um, it's not like you would say, oh, yeah, and last week I, you know, drove to South Carolina. You know, yeah. it's like, it doesn't make that, that just wouldn't, that means you're not listening or you're not even trying to participate in the conversation. Yeah. And like our story escalated and got sillier, but it still uh -huh. was the same story. Right. It still, it still felt like one person was writing the story. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in everyday conversation with, with patients or even whether it be with your colleagues or speaking to a doctor or something like that, it's important that you know, you can continue on your, to have a conversation, you know, mm -hmm. and that you're not kind of saying things that are so like out to left field that it ends the conversation completely, or it leaves the person walking away kind of feeling icky about the conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, like I always think of like, oh, the, the great conversation ender is that skit on SNL of Debbie Downer. <laughs> yeah. where you know everybody's so happy and then she'll just come out with this like thing that has nothing to do with what with what anyone's saying and it's just and you're like and then boom the conversation just ends uh-huh you know and i always think of that when even when we're doing when we're working together or when i'm with a patient of like don't be that debbie downer and just sort of completely end the conversation and left, leave people feeling like icky or feeling like bad about the conversation. And the one thing you don't want is you don't want your patient walking away from you or your client walking away thinking, oh, God, I feel like really horrible about that encounter. Yeah. But also, it doesn't even have to be Debbie Downer. It could just right. be someone who like says something that ends the conversation by they're not listening and they mm -hmm. just suddenly say something that's a totally different conversation. And maybe people had like things to say that they wanted to contribute. And now they will never get to contribute that because the conversation's over because the person wasn't listening. Right. And if a patient leaves feeling that way, you know, they're probably not coming not back. They're not coming back. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. They're probably not coming back. So, yeah. you know, you may be the best PT and have the best skills and, and everything else. But if you can't, if you don't have good communication skills, you're not yeah. going to get those patients to trust you. You're not going to get those patients to come back. Yeah. How do you feel since taking improv, um, your experience with patients has changed? Um, I feel like I am just much more present mm -hmm. and I feel like I take more time when interviewing. I think that, and, and when interviewing the patient initially and even when explaining things to the patient, I think I, I take my time, I, whereas I tend to be like a fast talker. So mm -hmm. now I sort of, I take my time, I explain things, and then I will ask the patient, you know, 
if they understand what I said, you know, I may ask questions mm -hmm. to them and based on their answers, I will then address those as needed. But I feel like since taking um, these lessons with you that I just feel like I'm there a hundred percent. I don't feel like I'm sort of wandering off, like my mind is wandering, you know, so mm -hmm. it, it can certainly make for a more tiring day, you know, cause you're <laughs> on all the time, you know, especially if you're seeing uh -huh. a lot of patients, but you know, think yeah. about, I mean, I'm lucky I get to see my patients for an hour each, but there are some uh, facilities where maybe you only have a half an hour with your patient, 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Oh. So if that patient is coming in and they're telling you something and you're just thinking about, okay, it's, it's almost one thirty, and my next patient's at one thirty, So it doesn't really matter what they say because no, you know, mm -hmm. your time is much better spent listening. So if that means maybe you don't show them exercise A, B or C, but instead you listen and communicate to them better. I think that's more important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And, and so I think if, if you can be really present and listen to your patients, even if you're seeing them four patients an hour, three an hour, two an hour, um, I think it's only going to help, obviously, your relation with, relationship with the patient, but I think it, it helps if we're looking at treating our patients from a biopsychosocial standpoint meaning we're looking at that patient as a whole. So what's going on with them biologically, psychologically, and, and you know, what are their social factors, home factors, and, and mm -hmm. kind of what's their thought process. I think doing these exercises really helps that because, you know, we're, yeah. it, we're no longer biomedical. It's not like someone comes in and they have an ankle sprain and all we're worried about is the ankle sprain. We're worried about the whole person. They're not just mm -hmm. patient A with an ankle sprain. You know, yeah. they're Harris who came in who happens to have an ankle sprain. Harris, right. the person who happens to have an ankle sprain, not ankle sprain patient. Yeah. I mean, because also so much is psychosomatic, you know, and, and whether it is psychosomatic or not, it still exists. Right. So and so and like your thoughts can contribute yeah. to, you know, there's a, a, a lot of research that shows that there are, that especially so we see patients who, who are in pain, pain is very multifactorial. You know, yes, there could be tissue damage. There could not be tissue damage. Your thoughts, your beliefs, your past history with, uh, with pain, that all contributes to your overall experience or that output the brain is giving you of pain. So, mm -hmm. you know, we say, yeah, pain is, is in your head because your brain, it's an, it's a, an experience that the brain is outputting, mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't necessarily correspond to whether there's damage or not. But right. so there's a lot that goes into that. So if you're a good physical therapist and you can use some of these improv improvisational skills when you're listening to your patient, just think how much more you're going to get of a complete picture of that patient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what about, I mean, we started working because you were worried about um, public speaking, public speaking, but yeah. specifically at the event. Was it last yeah. week? Yeah, it was so, uh, last month, like a month ago. Last month. So like, so, um, and that went really smoothly for you. I think so. I'd yeah, like to it sounded think like so. it yeah. was really successful. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's like a big leap from, I mean, when did we start meeting? November? Yeah, I think so. Something like that? Yeah. I mean, and at that time, you know, your focus was this thing and it was like such a big deal. Yeah. You know, I was but then actually doing it, 
even like um, preparing for it, it was not as big a deal as it was when we first met. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and even when I start, you know, I think when everyone, if you're speaking in public, everyone gets a little nervous, you know? Of course. But once as I- you, As you should. I do yeah. have to say like, people should not be trying to get rid of all of their nerves. Mm-hmm. Nerves mean like you care. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. good to care. Yeah, so absolutely. Like the, the idea of like eradicating all emotion and all nerves should not be a goal. It mm-hmm. should just be working with them. You should feel nervous. It's exciting to feel nervous, mm-hmm. you know? So like, but use it. Don't try and push it away. Yeah, and I think that's what the what working together has done has d- done just that. Like, yeah, I'm nervous, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. And there's nothing wrong with it. And yeah. and you can kind of use that energy to make your talk a little more energetic, you know, yeah, and, and fun and real. And, yeah. And, yeah, and more real. And and I think I told you I tried to like do a bit. I think I, I think I yes and during the uh, during our talk, but you know, and I did the so you're saying I did do that uh-huh. at one point, and and I think it for me it was really helpful, and it, and like you said, it keeps things moving along, you know. So mm-hmm. we didn't have that point of like crickets, you know, uh-huh. where nothing was happening. So I mean, I I feel like if you are on the fence or you're not sure if if you want to try improv or even, you know, Sandy Hilton, she's a PT in Chicago. She's doing stand up, which more power to her. She gets up on stage. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so scary. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if you're a physical therapist or, or you're, if you're working with people, I think it behooves you to, like you said, you can pick up a book, you can go to a drop-in class, if you're near a city that has improv classes and they're not expensive, even in New no. York city, they're not expensive. No, they're not expensive. You, know? you can also just get a buddy and just do yeah. what we just did. Yeah. You know, exactly. you can even just do the, the, the exercises we did with a friend. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think over time you'll see that, um, for those of, for, for those of you listening over time, you'll see that there is a huge carryover into your communication with your clients or with people in general, you know, general, and, yeah. and I think that was my biggest takeaway from, mm-hmm. from our lessons. So, um, that being said, we have to end this, <laughs> talk about ending the conversation. Um, <laughs> that being said, uh, conversation's over No, I'm just, um, not really though. It is kind of over. Um, but not in such a rude way. Um, but now, if people want to find out more about you, they can go to your website, which is Harris Duran, H-A-R-R-I-S-D-O-R-A-N.com. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you, can they do that through, their, through your website? Yeah, there's my, um, my email address is on there, which is just Harris at HarrisDuran.com. And I also have Twitter at Harris Duran. And those are the best ways of getting in touch with me. Great, great. And um, I mean, I thank you so much. And I think, I hope, I hope that people now they have a couple of fun improv tools that they can use. And like you said, grab a buddy, grab a colleague and practice during your lunch hour in between patients. And, and it's, it's a little uncomfortable at first, but that's okay. Yeah. At least I thought it was a little uncomfortable at first. No. And definitely it's easier to speak in real life than it is to do an improv exercise. Of course. So once you get it over with, then you go back to just speaking regular, which is right. easier. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. All right. So Harris, thank you so much for coming on. And again, that's harrisduran.com for all of you who want to learn more about him. And to see, you can see your short film on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so everyone check it out. And I remember just as, as a, quick, a quick note, when um, I first started working with, with Harris, he was Alicia Reiner recommended you. Uh-huh. And and so I was like, oh, I trust Alicia, whatever. <laughs> and so I didn't even do any background research or anything on you. And then it was only <laughs> like a couple of weeks later, I did some background. I'm like, wow, he's a big deal. <laughs> so, so just so you know, and then like he sent me the bio. I'm like, you're kind of a big deal. But, you know, here's my, I just trusted Alicia wholeheartedly. Um, but, you know, he's Harris does some really great work. So Check out his movie. Check out his website. Thank you for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. And everyone, have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.